calling all car dealers in Ontario. Protect your clients from hefty insurance premium surcharges coming in September while simultaneously saving on your garage policy premium. With insurance premiums skyrocketing on high-theft vehicles, your clients could save up to $12,500 over five years. Increase your profits and enhance your savings with Invisitrack Locate. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the November 10th, 2023 episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor at Automotive News Canada. My guest on this episode spent much of the week ringing alarm bells, attempting to warn North American politicians about China's growing presence in Mexico. Today, he'll tell us why that's a concern, what it means for Canadian suppliers, and why Canada and the United States need to act. All that and more when I speak with the head of the Automotive Parts Manufacturers Association President, Flavio Volpe, on this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. Flavio, thanks for joining me on the podcast this week. Always a pleasure. It's great to have you. This appears to be a big topic. It's not getting a lot of traction yet in mainstream media, but the way you have sold it and raised the issue and rung the alarm bells, how big is this issue of China's presence in Mexico? Well, I think it's a really good early warning story, and but for those of us who are close to it, it's not that early, of uh, how the Chinese uh, 10-year strategy uh, on uh, EVs and uh, export of advanced uh, vehicles around the world is playing out in North America. They are really pushing product from major brands you know, state-controlled, uh, state-financed companies into North America, starting with Mexico. Uh, there has been a very big uptick uh, percentage-wise in Canada and in the U.S., but, you know, those are mainly uh, Chinese-assembled American cars. What they're doing in Mexico is twofold. One is, let's try very quickly to acquire market share, mostly with internal combustion engine vehicles. Then, you know, BYD launched a new uh, EV platform called the Dolphin in Mexico, low entry point uh, of price. And at the same time, have an aggressive foreign direct investment strategy for the supply sector into Mexico. You know, places like Nuevo León are filling up with uh, Chinese state-owned suppliers and state-financed suppliers in there to compete for uh, the market share that's owned by market-driven players from Canada, U.S., Europe, uh, Korea, Japan. Are those Chinese suppliers supplying North American automakers and European automakers assembling vehicles in Mexico right now? Or do those Chinese suppliers plan on supplying those parts to European and North American automakers? They are supplying all of those market-driven automakers in China for manufacturing for the domestic market. They are starting to get uh, business in uh, Mexico for uh, some of those foreign OEMs. And some of them are investing heavily, you know, two suppliers that uh, I flagged earlier this week that landed uh, with about a billion dollars of U.S. foreign direct investment in Nuevo León to serve uh, Tesla at the behest of uh, Tesla. So, you know, also uh, some automakers, you know, encouraging their Chinese suppliers to come and uh, in some cases displace uh, current suppliers, but in other cases like Tesla saying, well, look, 
part of our competitive advantage here is to get stuff as cheaply as we can. And, uh, you know, if you guys want to come here and help make it work for us out of uh, our announced plan in Monterey, then uh, we'll award you the business. It might be good for Tesla. It's not good for North America. And that's what I was going to ask. How does this affect North American suppliers and in particular Canadian suppliers? We know that we have a presence in Mexico. How does China's arrival affect Canadian suppliers there? Well, look, Canadian suppliers are trying to run going concerns. You, know, you want to stay solvent. You want to win new business. You've got to uh, be profitable or show a path to profitability uh, from a new customer in a schedule that uh, looks good to your uh, shareholders, uh, to your lenders, uh, to your partners. So there is, in a competition uh, for a program, price isn't necessarily the competitive advantage for any of those market-driven players, uh, although they will, you know, of course, you know, everybody gets bare-knuckled when it comes down to winning. But Canadian suppliers have to pay for money in opportunity cost or in the cost of uh, borrowing. Uh, the Chinese uh, have the advantage of being financed by a centrally planned economy. Now, the, the, the money's cheaper. The return expectation is cheaper. They don't have the same relationship with return on investment. So they may flirt with it, but they're married to uh, acquiring market share. And, and so that allows you uh, to turn around and say, mm, whatever the price is of that market-driven player, I'm going to go you know, 1%, 3% lower. It's like playing the prices right here. And they can consistently do it because they're also all part of China's central plan for export of Chinese auto around the world. You know, they, they launched a 10-year plan in 2015. And, you know, we're seeing this roll out the way that they intended it. And if you're a Canadian supplier and you lose that business from a well-armed, well-funded, uh, high-quality competitor who isn't a market-driven player, they continue to encroach both in that region and and upwards into uh, North America, for, you know, into the U.S. and maybe Canada, then what are the options? Where's your growth market as a Canadian supplier? First of all, it's continental. You know, we don't ship parts profitably at volume across oceans. And then number two, this is rolling. This is happening in Western Europe as well, Eastern Europe. This is happening across Asia. You could go to the Southern Hemisphere here, but of course, the investments in Colombia and Brazil and Argentina uh, look the same. And so, at some point, you have to decide that you have to. You're going to defend the goal. You, you can't outscore them, but you might as well keep the puck out every once in a while. You went to Washington recently to raise this issue. Who did you speak with? What did you say? And what was the response? So first thing is, is that we tried to reach as many people as we can in a, in, a, in a broad spectrum of agencies and departments that touch on automotive, energy, uh, commerce, state, treasury. Uh, spoke uh, to congressional staff, key congressional staff on uh, committees that are usually the ones that are the, the, the canaries for trade irregularities. We reached out to the White House, we reached out to USTR, and what we said was, you know, we've been seeing this trend for a couple of years, and, and seeing a trend and raising the alarm is one thing. You know, we've been doing that probably since the summer. We did that in Ottawa. But the stats are out now. And the stats in Mexico are that uh, Chinese automakers uh, have um, their market share has gone up from 
7% to 19.4% in one year. The Association of Industrial Parks in Mexico reported this year that 49% of the demand for industrial park space is Chinese. We have now a list of Chinese companies that have invested billions in manufacturing, specifically in automotive, in Mexico, in states like Nuevo León, where you can point to, there's the facility, this is who their customer is. And we said, the USMCA, the IRA, Standing Investment Review Acts are all good, especially to track and in some cases be the final approval bodies for mergers and acquisitions activity. The IRA has provisions in it for foreign entities of concern. You know, specifically, look, if you're going to, if you're a customer and you want to leverage uh, the EV tax credit, well, the batteries can't come from uh, FEOCs. If you want to go for production credits, uh, like the ones we've been discussing in this country for the last six months, you can't be a foreign entity of concern. What we've said is we've got to close that back door. For foreign direct investment, it's very difficult for a governor or a premier of any state or province to say, ah, no thanks, uh, to a billion-dollar investment and you know tens of thousands of jobs. It's not for them, you know, we, we've got to shore up uh, how we use that, you know, FEOC definition for actual investment in corporate structures, understanding where people's capital comes from and what the price of that is. And, and if we're going to be real about nearshoring and allyship, then we can't be naive about the fact that the Chinese are equally as intelligent as we are and equally as motivated as we are. But they're not burdened with the long arm of, you know, doing things with the same values that we have. We'll be right back after this short break. Due to the alarming rise in vehicle thefts, starting September 1st, 2023, Ontario drivers will face a brand new substantial surcharge to their already high insurance premiums to many of your top selling models, and they need your help. IA Dealer Services has partnered exclusively with KYCS Global Inc. to offer dealerships across Canada the Invisitrack Locate Vehicle Recovery Program. Invisitrack Locate is recognized in the insurance industry as a solution to auto theft loss, so much so that insurance providers will waive the premium surcharge for consumers who install an Invisitrack Locate device in their vehicle. You can help your clients by simply adding an Invisitrack Locate with their vehicle purchase. Invisitrack Locate will save your eligible clients between $500 and $2,500 on their insurance surcharge per year for the next five years. Yes, you heard that right. You can save your clients between $2,500 and $12,500 over the next five years, all while adding a new revenue stream to your dealership and providing your customers with the most effective asset location and recovery device on the market. Now is the time to act. Contact your IA Dealer Services consultant today and ask how Invisitrack Locate can help you and your clients save money and recover stolen vehicles before they end up gone forever. Welcome back to the podcast where we're talking to Flavio Volpe, head of the Automotive Parts Manufacturers Association. Did you get a sense in Washington that the U.S. government was going to address this matter, was going to do something about it? Well, first of all, what we saw was in some cases, you know, people 
telling us that they remain optimistic and we just launched these measures you know including the IRA and critical mineral strategies and the, uh, that we think are going to uh, shore up North America in the long term and please don't you know you're the you're the skunk at the barbecue but they all kind of pivoted when we said hey by the way 2 weeks ago the chinese said we're going to have export controls on graphite they have about 65% of the world's uh, production of graphite uh, which is an important mineral that's required in battery manufacturing uh, for anodes for example you know each each ev that you see on the road probably has somewhere between 50 and 100 uh, kilograms of graphite in it and they're going to turn the tap off. They've told us they're going to turn the tap off. Do you think they're going to turn the tap off for their suppliers that are invested in Mexico? No. Do you think that you're going to be able to make these all these electric vehicles that you're mandating the industry to make by 100% by 2035? Do you think you can do that without getting critical minerals from China? If you do, you're going to lose. If you read the graphite shot across the bow as you're not going anywhere without us, then you'll be motivated. You know, these were hard conversations. I, I want to play devil's advocate for a moment. You know, Scotiabank just had a report about a month ago that said the price of EVs has to be slashed in half, essentially, for them to be affordable to all Canadians. So if China can make a cheaper EV, will the general public get behind the idea that China building cars in Mexico and shipping them to the U S and Canada is a bad idea. Will the public support that if in fact they can get a cheaper EV, which are going to be mandated by many governments, including our federal government and California two major markets in North America. Greg, how many hours do we have here? Uh, <laughs> we have minutes. We have minutes left. Yeah. Yeah. We built the project arrow. Uh, last year to demonstrate, amongst other things, you can do everything Canadian. doesn't mean you could do everything Canadian at a market price. That car costs us $20 million. I don't think we'll be able to sell it. The flip side is we also wanted to demonstrate that the Canadian suppliers absolutely ready and willing partners in this electrification. But I've also used that platform to turn around and say, there is no way to get to 100%, never mind 50%, without sourcing all of this from China in the short to midterm. We have, you know, Bloomberg and he said uh, Canada is the number two country in the world for uh, the critical minerals required for electrification. Well, number two in this case is hundreds of miles behind number one. Number one means 65% of uh, graphite production. It means 75% of lithium production. Number two means eh, we'll get it out of the ground in the next few years. And I don't think the Canadian public, look, I think the Canadian public is seized with the challenge of uh, the climate crisis. Absolutely all of them are alive to it. You know, some prioritize it higher than others. But I'll tell you uh, that they're more seized with affordability. And so if we say to people, do the right thing and it's going to cost you more money, it will not resonate. If we say, do the right thing and it'll cost you the same or less, it'll resonate. If we say to them, by the way, that means you're buying them from China. It's a real question how they answer. You know, you and I speak to each other on, you know, $1,500 phones made in China with a, with a California brand on them. The general public doesn't run this country, although they, they elect governments every once in a while. The governments that run this country have a responsibility to the general public to be able to see miles ahead, decades ahead, and say, wow, if we set up uh, a regime 
that then causes for all of these vehicles to be these batteries and vehicles to be sourced from China to meet those targets. Are we doing a service to the general public that doesn't get paid to forward plan 20 years ahead for the prosperity of their children? I'm glad you brought up the government because I want to know you spoke to the U S government. We just talked about the general public in both countries, essentially. What has the response been from Canada? It's been wavy. I'll say that I spoke to, um, the finance minister and the trade minister about this over the last few months. Their interest has peaked. Their chief officials understand it. Uh, it's a function of how do we get to, how do we move from understanding it and uh, understanding what we can and should do about it? You know, it's going to require the three countries to work together, at least at the trade minister level. You know, a little disappointed uh, when we talk to you know, industry and economic development people will say, well, these things don't concern us. They happen in other countries. You know, they happen in other countries within the continent uh, that we're all co-invested in. Now, that means it's your it's your backyard. And if you don't figure it out and the solution comes from Washington, you may be excluded from that solution. In Washington uh, yesterday, uh, there were reports, of course, of an uh, open letter uh, signed by two Michigan lawmakers in Congress uh, and a committee chair and ranking member on the uh, Chinese Communist Party uh, Committee of Congress that said, it's a letter to the USTR saying, you better be alive to this trend. We're about to get swamped by Chinese vehicles and Chinese investment. Uh, Take a look at the USMCA. How can we shore this up? This is a very big threat to the American industry and American workers. They didn't say American and Canadian industry and American and Canadian workers. So shrugging it off or saying it's somebody else is going to solve this. Well, if they have to solve it without us, I don't want to be involved in another Team Canada effort to include Canada in this solution like we have every other time. In short, what is the solution? I think we have to start with tracking it. Uh, like I said, you know, we've the industry has noticed trends, but until we get uh, stats like we did from the the various Mexican associations, whether that's for sales or industrial parks, you don't know how big the problem is or how urgent it is. I think that we need to use the existing legislation we have that that tracks and uh, regulates M&A activity and the existing principles we have both in USMCA for tracking raw materials like uh, steel and definitions in the IRA that is foreign entities of concern and focus all of those lenses on investment from China in automotive into the continent. And we got to work with the Mexicans. It's, it's not, this isn't to blame Mexico. How could you be a state governor and say no to major investment in a place that isn't post-industrial like we are? Uh, but we got to work with their federal government, their secretary of the economy to say, how can we help you? You are the entry point. Uh, you are a big critical partner. They make twice as many cars in Mexico that they do in Canada. They're, this is a very, very important place not to get displaced. Flavio Volpe, always good to have you on the podcast. Uh, great topic of discussion, and uh, we'll have to check back in on this at a later date. I think this one's going to mushroom over the next couple months, so I'm very happy to come back. I'd like to thank Flavio for being my guest. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. Just click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. 
That does it for this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.